What a great day for talk radio. Here it is. It's Monday. We're back into the swim. Or at least I hope somebody's, you know, doing some swimming here because uh, obviously it's intolerably hot. Is it intolerable? It's 32. It's not as humid as it was about a week ago. It's okay, but it's going to stay hot all week. And we might see some shower activity Friday. But that's an eternity away as far as forecasting is concerned. So we'll take it one hour at a time as we are wont to do here. And uh, looking ahead to the hour, we've got our panel and topics worthy of discussion. Danny was just mentioning uh, on his report that there's uh, the chief medical officer of health here in the city of Toronto. And she's suggesting that uh, rather than criminalizing the drug issue, we ought to see it as a public health issue. And therefore, we ought to uh, at least look at decriminalizing any and all drugs which is a real interesting scenario because uh, if it were to come to pass, I would see people quitting work and going to, uh, I guess, the local cafe and shooting up heroin, but you can't have a cigarette. Uh, How does that figure? You know, this is one of those things where we've got to think through all of the implications. And so we're going to talk about that with our panel. Dr. Eileen Davila is uh, Toronto's Medical Officer of Health, supporting an approach, she says, based on compassion. And it's a matter of life and death. And I get it. I mean, the safe injection site thing, that was the same impetus behind that. And they claim the stats show empirical evidence that it does deter uh, the numbers from, well, the death count. And uh, I guess fewer people contracting AIDS, HIV, that kind of stuff. And yet, you know, as uh, impressive as those numbers may be, they're still not as good as Singapore. And so I'm wondering if, you know, uh, who's got it right or who, uh, you know, probably is on the right track when it comes to that, because she's shelving the whole notion of interdiction and incarceration and so on and so forth. But Singapore, man, they don't mess around and uh, their drug rates are way down. So, you know, we got nothing to brag about as far as the downtown east side of Vancouver is concerned. When you look at Singapore, uh, they seem to have figured it out. What about this guy in the Philippines, Duterte? (laughs) That's hardcore. Uh, Yeah. Right there. There's your public safety health officer or whatever. But uh, we'll pick this up with our panel. Joining us shortly here, Mike Van Solen, Gord Perks, and Michael Diamond. Diamond, of course, responsible for the Ford uh, campaign to elect him leader of the party. And then he went on to, of course, win the election. Now, as far as that's concerned, he had a lot of support from various precincts, including small businesses and manufacturers in Ontario. Uh, And, of course, we've talked about it during the election campaign, how they had certainly a lot of skin in the game as stakeholders. They were very concerned about the direction the province was taking. Jocelyn Bamford, our friend, who's the founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Ontario, uh, was there all along. And we kept the pace with uh, developments in what she was hoping that the new premier uh, would implement his policy. She's now written a letter just recently to the Honorable Doug Ford, Premier of Ontario. i got to wrap my head around that, by the way. Uh, And this is where she's got uh, a slew of suggestions. Let's find out exactly what is going on with the the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Ontario. Jocelyn Bamford is on the line. Jocelyn, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you, John? Very good. So uh, I haven't spoken to you since the election. I guess you're encouraged going forward now that, Doug Ford, your choice is the premier? We absolutely are, and we just want to see an accelerated pace right now on some of the commitments. And so we were thrilled when they um, put an end to to cap-and-trade because we think that that was a program that had no discernible benefit to the environment at a cost to the everyday person and to small and medium-sized businesses. So we're thrilled that they've kept that commitment and we would like to see some other 
um, commitments that, that we've discussed with them before the election um, come through, and, and that's preserving primarily small to medium-sized business and businesses in the province. So we were also happy that that was part of their election um, mandate. Well, I'm kind of curious because uh, I do understand that the Fed said they'd impose a carbon tax if the provinces didn't, and if we were to uh, back out of cap-and-trade, as Doug Ford has said we are, uh, the feds will still come calling. I know it could be contested at the court level, but they'll also impose on manufacturers a certain carbon regimen, will they not? I mean, do you, are you apprehensive about that? Right. So, so we believe that um, they they may have the legal mandate, but they don't have the moral mandate. And if you you know the recent polls of of citizens of the of the country. Um, understand that this is just a giant slush fund. So, you know what, we, we encourage politicians to fight bad legislation and not just acquiesce. And I know that there are some um, groups that, that think that um, are encouraging, you know, uh, them to roll that back. And, and those are primarily groups that, you know, there, there, were, there was money to be made on cap and trade. So those people that were making money on cap and trade, you know, caution everybody about getting rid of it. But the average citizen and the average small to medium-sized business, that was just an additional cost. And we encourage um, the premier to fight that, um, along with a lot of citizens and along with Saskatchewan and Winnipeg and, and or Manitoba and other, and other provinces that have indicated that they're not aligned with that uh, tax. No, I understand, Jocelyn. It was a, a piece I uh, read earlier today in the Financial Post that says manufacturers may actually do worse uh, with the feds imposing their carbon tax on them, if it comes to that, uh, rather than the cap-and-trade system here in Ontario. Uh, again, I just bring that up for your consideration in case it becomes, you know, uh, be careful of, uh, or the devil you know might be better than the one you don't. Let me move on, though, because you put uh, several recommendations in this letter to the new premier, and you're suggesting, in addition to... Uh, being thankful that the cap and trade has been scrapped, an industrial rate for electricity. What do you mean there? So most uh, uh, states and and the states that are right now actively courting a lot of small to medium-sized businesses offer an industrial rate um, for business for electricity. And that rate is typically between four and and 10 cents on the high end. Right now, most small to medium-sized business that either don't qualify for um, what the program that is offered by the province called the ICI, which is a, which is a very cumbersome and has its own issues, right? So we're paying about 18 to 21 cents, the rest of us that don't qualify for the ICI program. So that's not competitive. So, and uh, just uh, last week, I sat in a, in a meeting with um, the government and two uh, uh, manufacturers that are right around the corner um, from my business had indicated that they were going to expand here, but they've both decided that they are going to have their expansion in Ohio, and, and that that each of them had about roughly a hundred jobs that they're bringing to Ohio, and and all things created equally, if we had a pro-business approach in this province, they would have rather expanded here, but they're taking um, those jobs. Uh, to Ohio, and those are that's those are our jobs. That's our future, mm-hmm. and it's going to the to the states. And we need to have a strategy to to stop the stop the flow going south of the border, and and maintain and grow our businesses here. And you say you'd be happy to work with Doug Ford on finding viable solutions. So uh, he will take you into his council. 
Uh, we're hoping we're we're hoping that they sit with us and help us help them. It used to be, if you looked back, you know, a hundred years ago, that's what governments did. They sat with business and they jointly thought about where they wanted to go and how to get there together. And we, uh, over the last 14 years, um, with the Liberals in Ontario, we haven't seen that. And we want to we want to get back to that era where we jointly worked for the benefit of the citizens, for business, because at the end of the day, jobs are what provide uh, tax income. Without jobs, people don't um, have uh, the ability to pay taxes, and those t- that tax money is what funds every program. So we need to um, put in policy that allows us to get where we want to be, but without destroying the economy and jobs. Yeah, well, and th- those are jobs in the productive sector, I should point out. By the way, in the last point you uh, put in your letter to Premier Ford, uh, a strategy uh, should be the full rescinding of the Fair Workplaces Better Jobs Act, which was known as the thing that brought in minimum wage to 14 and soon $15. And uh, you think the name's misleading, the content is anti-business. So uh, how do you hope to impress him that you've got a better way? So there, there's a there's a whole pile of, of components in that uh, what, what became uh, the that legislation, which started as Bill 148, and and uh, there's a lot of things that are very um, anti anti competitive um, when you look at the states, and also there's some privacy issues. So one of the the biggest issues we had with with that piece of legislation is if. If the union, if a union comes in and gets 20% of cards signed, they can come to you and request that you give all your private information, names, address, telephone numbers of your employees um, to the union. And we think that's a breach of privacy legislation, and this legislation trumps the privacy legislation. So that's problematic. Scheduling um, is also problematic because... Um, we, we're, a lot of us are just-in-time uh, manufacturers, and we need that flexibility. And our employees are, are absolutely uh, work um, hand-in-hand with us um, when we have to schedule um, shift changes. There, you know, a, a, a lot of us, especially in the small and medium-sized uh, businesses, have great relationships with our workers, and we all work together. Um, so there's some um, components of that that pieces of that legislation that are very problematic for us. Well, I'm guessing that the Premier will listen. He'll give a, a good, uh, or lend an ear, because, I mean, you'll never get a better shake from uh, anybody else than he would with Doug Ford, who said, you know, very emphatically, the province is open for business. And uh, that's right up your alley. Jocelyn, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll stay on the beat. Thank you very much, John. Have a great day. And you. Jocelyn Bamford, again, the founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Ontario. On the Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.